Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. I am Chad Parsons. This week featured topic is the 2022 Rookie Draft Class Flashback. This is a series that Katie Flower fostered and promoted last offseason. We went through a number of draft classes. So you can hear that uh, from last spring looking for some dynasty lessons as well as some ideas going forward for future profile analysis. Here we are. I wanted to go over the 2022 class. It's only one year old so still plenty of time to build profiles, but a look back at last season as we have a few weeks here before the 2023 NFL draft that leads into rookie drafting season in largely May and June. So let's get started at the quarterback position. As you will remember, last year was the year that the quarterback position died. (laughs) Kenny Pickett ended up not even going in the top half of round one. You had guys like Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, and Sam Howell, notably guys that had promise, uh, Potentially, we see one or two of them in the first round. No, no soup for you. Uh, they end up going uh, Ritter and Willis, notably on in round three, and then Sam Howell fading all the way to 144 overall. Now, there's still plenty of time to go. That draft position is an absolute killer. But as we sit, Desmond Ritter, week one starter, Sam Howell going to have a chance to be the week one starter. However, Brissett brought in there for Washington and for Desmond Ritter, not out of the woods. Atlanta sits at number eight. Might they be in on Lamar Jackson at some point? And Desmond Ritter, not really on a success track in year one. So plenty of uh, plenty of dominoes still to fall here. But one of the big things is, you know, it, it was a relatively shaky class that it seemed like they were elevating from a draft position perspective going into the draft itself. Now, this year doesn't seem like we're going to have that issue. Uh, I will say Will Levis could be the guy that ends up falling. Now, falling could be to the teens. Falling could be even further than that. So I think it's something to be aware of here. But it seems like Stroud, Young, and Richardson are locked in to being somewhere in the top five, and Richardson, at worst, would be somewhere in the top 10. But Will Levis is that guy that I would have a tractor beam for of potentially falling in this draft. And uh, from last year, the other part was we did not have a dominant profile. So going into the draft season, whether it was uh, mobility-wise, because Malik Willis, not on Anthony Richardson's level as an athlete, as a profile, as an athletic specimen and entity there at 223 pounds he ran 455 and um, you know just did not have the rushing profile entering the nfl Uh, desmond ritter uh, some mobility and we'll see how that translates here in a critical year or two for him but didn't check all the passing boxes can he pick it certainly not and there's a, a pretty big argument that him going as the first quarterback off the board him going 50 60 70 picks higher than any of the other quarterbacks that it was one of the weaker picks when you look at uh, within a position how that was going to pan out long term so, uh, and I think also one of the lessons uh, out of the quarterback position from 2022 is that Sam Howell had the best profile of the entire bunch 
uh, in terms of age, in terms of uh, the stickiness of big time throw rate versus turnover worthy plays. Uh, that ratio over 2.0 for Sam Howell, which is a, a strong figure. He checked all the passing boxes, has some mobility. He has thickness at 6'1", 224. So a lot of positives there for Sam Howell. And here he is having buzz, having some momentum going into year two. So I think part of it is if they don't have the pedigree, make sure that they're going at affordable price. Check with Sam Howell, but trust the profile. And that, that depth chart was nothing scary with Taylor Heineke uh, last offseason and Carson Wentz, who was uh, basically a stopgap uh, shot uh, that he was going to end up working out and being a placeholder over the next uh, year or two. But Sam Howell is the one where you look at an arbitrage of, of the draft position going wrong. You need a strong profile. Sam Howell from day three had that, and that was a reason to stash him in Superflex. I want to take a moment to tell you about the recent content uh, over the past week over at UTHDynasty.com. If you listen to this show, that is where the content should drive you. This is a free primer on a weekly basis for your podcasting pleasure. However, over at UTHDynasty.com, you're going to get premium podcasts. Um, I'm now I'm, I'm front-loading. A lot of the feedback has been, hey, I want as many shows as possible early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, and I'm providing that. Uh, I've I've put out two to three episodes of premium podcasts the last couple of Mondays, and that's going to continue if at all possible with my recording schedules to make sure that you have content early in the week. And then you can distribute it. You can listen to it at your leisure throughout the week, but plenty of people have a lot of podcasting listening time, and that's going to benefit you. So if you like premium audio content, you like a lot of digestible 5, 10, 15 minute type episodes on specific players, specific concepts, dynasty trading, UTH Dynasty is the place for you to become a general manager plus subscriber. Also, reminder, we got six new formats in the UTH Trade Calculator. If you play in a tight end premium format, if you play in 12, 14, 16 team, super flex, you're going to want the UTH Trade Calculator. You get a free trial, but also it's a standalone membership for one month, three month, or 12 month terms. Also, State of the Union podcast series came out just this past week. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end specific episodes looking at these rookie classes to kick off April. A State of the Union where we stand, risers, fallers, and a good idea of all the relevant profiles of the players that you're going to be hearing in late April come off the board. Michael Mayer through uh, the round one pedigree historical prism. So you're going to get to hear Michael Mayer, how he stacks up versus round one drafted tight ends. Another one in the tight end series, is Darnell Washington a super freak? Looking at his profile, and does he qualify under that label from a dynasty and a prospect profile perspective? And finally, Israel Banakanda. Updated comparable prospects for him post-pro day. Uh, had a good workout. Where does he stand with some of his comparable prospects historically? And no, this is not always a... Uh, uh, basically a love fest. A lot of times you'll hear me uh, discuss that whether it's on social media or major media outlets, you always hear about the absolute best pie in the sky, recent uh, comparable prospects for players. But trust me, UTH and myself, it's very much a uh, labor of love to come up with the most accurate player comps through the projection models at these skill positions. And it doesn't always lead to a name that A, you've heard of. Uh, it gives a spectrum uh, best case, worst case, and middle ground. 
uh, outcomes for them in terms of how their profile looks based on physical traits, production, which is a key one, uh, as well as other factors like efficiency, age, and the like. So those are recent, uh, uh, that's recent content over from mutationisty.com. And again, if you've listened to this show for a few episodes, maybe it's your first episode or a few years, it has a money back guarantee. And again, cannot emphasize it enough. If you like this show, if you like Dynasty content, especially audio wise, and you want to try out the trade calculator, mutationisty.com is the place to go. Back to the 2022 rookie draft class flashback series looking for some dynasty lessons here the running back position in 2022 we had strong profiles up at the top Brees hall being namely the one but looking back and, and i was looking at some adp brian robinson was the name now he was a clear uth player uh for targeting and the fact that he was going as late as he was while still having day two profile is always something to notate. He had strong athleticism, 75% in the model, ran a 4.53 at 225 pounds, showed good burst, good long speed, uh, checked the requisite boxes, and yet went to a cloudy Washington situation. A lot of times, you know, the worst case, I always go back to historically, is someone like Alexander Madison, long-term injury away option there, and he faded in rookie drafts because he went behind a notable starter in Dalvin Cook. Brian Robinson went behind Antonio Gibson, certainly not as stable as a starting option as Dalvin Cook in the other example. But Brian Robinson, you know, he had his uh, recovery from his uh, gunshot wound and then pretty much right away started getting touches. And while I have uh, big concerns about Brian Robinson's upside in future years, I still think he's going to be one that uh, ends up being a quality sell this offseason. I have made some relevant trades uh, using him as a pivot point to get future firsts, where he certainly was not going to that point, but adding to Brian Robinson to get a future first, uh, there's a lot of ways to go. He has a 28% receiving score in the model, which is one of my bigger gripes, and he was an older prospect coming into the NFL as well. So notable concerns there, but a value last year, and you do even still now, have options with Brian Robinson in the trade market to work your way up. Um, one that didn't work out was Tyrion Davis Price, at least so far. He's absolutely buried. I will say this, that the, uh, the 49ers probably didn't think 12 months ago that they were going to have a look at Christian McCaffrey for a palatable price point in the trade market. And when a team, you know, that could be Tyreek Hill for the Miami Dolphins or uh, a number of players, A.J. Brown for the Eagles, that you just don't know if a stud player is going to be available for a reasonable price tag in the trade market for an NFL team. And to some degree that happened with Tyrion Davis Price, but let's also uh, start looking at the track record where the 49ers uh, drafting running backs has not turned out overly well with Trey Sermon and Tyrion Davis Price here in recent years. But Tyrion Davis Price, the pro file uh, was one that did make some sense. Uh, he had a good workout. I got the day two pedigree, 211 pounds when he weighed in. Uh, I thought he was going to be much closer to 220 plus like a Brian Robinson type. Um, but again, uh, Tyrion Davis price is one that was going affordably. Uh, and usually in the late second or thir early third round, it was Brian Robinson versus Tyrion Davis price. You would have to decide between. Um, another uh, point that I think we're, we're going to see this play out is Kenneth Walker. Uh, there. Uh, going as a second running back off the board. 
my biggest question about him was going to be the receiving game. And sure enough, uh, it was he had a 30% score in the model. It was going to be concerning for a potential upside. Very talented runner. However, his yards per route run, anemically low. And um, overall, his receiving score, when you look at running back only market share and other characteristics. And sure enough, what do we do? We get to the NFL, and he has 0.67 yards per route run as a rookie. So very low figure there. And the, the average NFL uh, option in my database for the projection model is points, uh, 1.11. So he's a little more than half the efficiency on a per route run basis. So Kenneth Walker also went to the Seattle Seahawks, which is uh, notoriously one of the lower options in terms of high leverage opportunity score, which incorporates running back targets. So Kenneth Walker, can he be a dynamo like Nick Chubb, like uh, Derrick Henry? Uh, and that's kind of what he needs to do to unlock a big and predictable ceiling because it doesn't seem like he didn't have it coming out of Michigan State and year one he didn't show any signs of improving either as an elite receiving option or even one that's going to be average on an NFL and fantasy producing level. Um, other notes, um, and, and I think you know, looking back at, at rookie draft ADP from, from a year ago, and this is going to be a key lesson for this year and any year going forward, which is you cannot push up the day three running back profile. In general, we had guys like Samir White, we had guys like Isaiah Spiller uh, that went notably high in uh, rookie drafts. And in general, uh, you know you can't pay too much. You you can't pay too much for that. It's really a key point. The early second round, you got to sit there. You got to pass. If you don't have a relevant player, I know Jahan Dotson was someone that was fading to the early second round, uh, and you're buying round one pedigree at wide receiver versus day three running backs. It's really a non-competitive point when you are looking at uh, historical data points and probabilities for those requisite positions and looking at other profiles uh you know kevin harris fading in the draft going behind uh pierre strong and now you know both of them behind Ramondre stevenson uh, are there more moves to be made for the patriots at the running back position after they bring in even uh james robinson so uh kevin harris fading in the draft even though i like the profile that was one that i did react to strongly you know going at 183 overall thought he had day two chops and ability well nfl clearly disagreed there um so so kevin harris was one he had to recalibrate and it really didn't make a ton of sense to draft him even in the fourth round of those May drafts because you say, how many injuries was he going to need? And it was the classic example that I always like to bring up of uh, Dallas where uh, Tony Pollard goes in the fourth round and then you have Mike Weber who actually had more Devi appeal, more appeal coming out uh, kind of during the draft process. And uh, Mike Weber was a guy drafted a good amount in the late rounds of rookie drafts, Tony Pollard equal or not so much. And Again, that's an extreme example, but when you have a difference of pedigree like that, and we had it with Pierre Strong versus Kevin Harris, the big thing is don't get overly high on the latter guy. And in this case, in this iteration in 2022 for the Patriots backfield, that was Kevin Harris. Um, Another takeaway here would be uh, strong, uh, strong athleticism. You know, when you're taking a deep shot, uh, we saw two guys, Isaiah Pacheco and Julius Chestnut. To, to different degrees, but both of them were top 10% athleticism score prospects. Isaiah Pacheco, 96%, 222 pounds, ran 437, and we saw that end up uh, being relevant for the Chiefs 
uh, backfield and coming from the ether. Julius Chestnut, not quite to the same degree, but 90% athleticism score, elite producer, 228 pounds, 447, and uh, showed good drills otherwise. Um, and over four yards after contact per attempt in his collegiate career, good receiving profile. So uh, still rooting for him. He's a small schooler, but options like that ended up coming through just like uh, Zonovan Knight. You know, he was had a high rushing score, 21.4 years old. In general, you want to chase that younger uh, 21.5 years old or younger running back. Jalen Warren, 92% overall score in the model. So the model uh, got a lot of things right when you look at these late guys between uh, drafted options like Pajeko, but also Julius Chestnut, Zonovan Knight, and Jalen Warren to other degrees as those sleepers. The wide receiver position, and what did we get? We got a ton of pedigree. And so the first one was obviously, you know, we got six wide receivers in the top 18 a year ago. Uh, we got another few more in the top 50. So this was projected to be a strong class by the NFL, and all of them had good profiles. They were all in the top 20% of the wide receiver projection model for UTH uh, with two or three near elite, you know, especially Traylon Burks, Drake London, um, in terms of those strong profiles. So it's always looking for value. Jahan Dotson was going relatively late. Now, the one thing I will amend here, which is Jamison Williams, I like the profile, but I will say this, that when you have a rookie coming off a serious injury, and a lot of times that uh, disables them uh, in terms of even when they come back. And we saw it with Jamison Williams. He came back. He basically had a registered year. He came back. He had one, uh, one touchdown and uh, sparse a smattering of opportunities. But also, he went to a depth chart with Amon Ross St. Brown there. And Jamison Williams was going to be one where it was going to be tough for him to flash. Now, you could say he's very much still insulated, but I've seen a weak market for Jamison Williams. I've tried to uh, foster some deals for maybe more contending and win now possibilities with Jamison Williams or Jamison Williams plus as a, as a seller of him this offseason or taking over some orphans. And I've had minimal success. So to say that he's not been affected at all by the redshirt year, the down year, uh, if you will, to start his career is not true. Um, and, and so that's one where, you know, if you have the option, a notable serious knee injury that for a speed receiver, now he may end up being fine this year, but you also lost some opportunities because he was still going in the range of healthy options at the time with still very good profiles and similar pedigree guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Uh, he might've been going a little later uh, than them, but it wasn't uh, graphically so. You might have had to trade up a pick or two. You might have just stayed where you are. Um, so again, I still will back by the Jahan Dotson going the latest of these first round wide receivers uh, as being one of the value plays. Traylon Burks with a very strong profile. Drake London had an elite profile and top 10 pedigree. So a lot of positives there as we get out of year one. Um, and then looking at uh, Christian Watson, you know, a good enough producer. He didn't get round one pedigree, but being a stickler by a couple picks here because he went 34 overall. We're talking about a 96% athlete. And, you know, him coming out of year one here, that, I mean, again, a guy that's 208 running 436 and having that strong pedigree, and he went to Aaron Rodgers. And what does he do in year one? 
he posts a two, 2.26 yards per route run, which is which was second only to Chris Olave of the rookies with any meaningful sample size. Now, the concern about him remains, which is he dropped a bunch of balls in college. Uh, he had a high A dot, but also a high drop rate. And that perpetuated here in year one in the NFL, 11% drop rate versus 14 A dot. And that's an, that he's teetering because you're allowed more latitude with your drops if you um, have have deeper routes and targets in general. But a lot of times the drop rate uh, will come and bite you, and that's typically something from college to pro that does not go away. So Christian Watson is pretty high variance here, but early signs are positive. And again, banking on such an elite athlete, uh, you know, in retrospect, I get it. Now, again, this is not the class, uh, spinning it to 2023, where we have a lot of guys in the top 5% athleticism-wise. It's not a big wide receiver class in terms of 200-plus pounders like Christian Watson. So some reasons why we may not get a chance to implement this type of strategy and uh, reassess the Christian Watson type uh, until 2024 or beyond. Uh, also looking at the position, the one that in terms of the price point, you look at where he was going in the first round of rookie drafts that uh, didn't have a ton of sense was Sky Moore, where you say, oh, 54 overall, you're, you're not getting a lot of equity, a lot of NFL draft pedigree equity by making that selection in the, the later first. Now, I mixed in a few shares. He goes to Kansas City. It has intoxicating potential. And you know what? Still might work out. But you had a relatively subsized player at 5'10". Uh, yes, he was thick, but five foot ten, and uh, it's not like he dominated in terms of his uh, other drills. He had four four one, but everything else uh, was pretty uh, mundane. And so, a sixty percent athlete, he was a strong producer, um, and he's an after the catch maven. But a seven a dot in year one, a one one point two eight yards per route run, these are not strong indicators. And he's going to be someone that needs big volume. Now, are the Chiefs going to address the position? They haven't notably yet as of early April. But if they splash the pot and they have Travis Kelsey plus someone with equal or more pedigree to Sky Moore, or if they go there in the late first round with a wide receiver or maybe a tight end, then I think it's going to be very interesting. I still think Sky Moore, it's only one year in, but... I did think, you know, I, I, I kind of said, if you're drafting him at this point, you would not be drafting him at 107, 108, 109, whatever it was last year, if he did not land with the Chiefs. That was my bi big point, that he was going late enough in terms of the hierarchy of the position. He was going late enough in terms of not having strong NFL draft pedigree to say that uh, you should spend that high of a rookie pick. And in year one, that came to fruition, uh, certainly didn't do much, uh, three points per game. And so, uh, again, we will see what happens. He did post a, a good missed tackle rate, and he didn't drop a lot of balls. So can he build on that? It's a critical year. And to see how the Chiefs address the passing game, because I don't think they're done. I don't think they're done at the position. Uh, and, and Sky Moore is going to have healthy competition. Wanted to mention the recent content over at UTH Patreon. Uh, and over the past week, did a really great series on tight ends, looking at their efficiency in college, as well as their missed tackle rates, eluded defenders, uh, mavens at, in those regard, uh, they're among the 2023 tight ends. We also had a feature, uh, feature content on Kendra Miller, the enticing TCU running back, Quentin Johnston, 
How does he look through some of the prisms of the projection model? And finally, Dalton Kincaid. Also, uh, giving my thoughts on the elite producing Utah tight end that could be tight end one off the board entirely in the NFL. Also, uh, this is the perfect time. I've had a few people sign up this past week, so thanks so much and welcome aboard as a, an all-pro patron. And what happens, uh, you sign up for even one month and it's a rolling deadline. It used to be where you get billed on the first and they've uh, corrected that. So if you sign up mid-month, it's all good. You're going to get uh, 30 days of access. And um, again, signing up around this time, anytime in the next week or so, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get 30 days of access. Plus, you're going to get a copy of the pre-draft and post-draft versions of the UTH NFL Draft Guide. Uh, so you're going to get the things like the Comparable Prospect Matrix. You're going to get the Dynasty Rookie Draft Decision Making Matrix. And you're going to obviously get profiles and data and everything you need to dominate rookie drafts. But here's the other best feature. In addition to that, in addition to all the patron-only content, you're going to get access. You're going to get an invite over there to the UTH VIP chat and it's, it's hitting record numbers. There's activity and dynasty discussion every day with myself, as well as dozens of the best dynasty owners on the planet. And they say iron sharpens iron. And it really is true. You know, you can go in there, you can post a poll, you can ask about trades, you can ask about players to buy or sell, you can list some notable players on your your roster, what should I do here, you get advice from myself, from all the everybody else that's actively engaged. It's been such a wonderful environment to grow stronger together and have some wisdom of the crowd where you're going to get feedback quickly and an action plan. We provide pivots all the time of, you know, have you thought about this? And, and it's really helpful in terms of sculpting trades, counter offers, and just assessing player value and moves to make in your respective league. So I can't um, promote it enough that you get all of that by just trying it out for a month. And if you love it, uh, please stay. Most people do. But even if you do it just, just for a month, it's an outstanding deal so that you're going to be set up uh, into into early May, you're going to hear all the dialogue when I'm going through things live fire during the NFL draft, especially that Saturday and Sunday of the weekend, uh, putting together the UTH big board final copy uh, after the NFL draft. And so you're going to get all of that plus the patron uh, content, plus uh, the draft guide, and again, plus the great atmosphere and camaraderie of the UTH VIP chat. So that's over at patreon.com slash UTH. Finishing out the 2023 Rookie Draft Class Flashback Series for Dynasty Lessons and talking about the tight end position. First notable point, we didn't have a top 50 drafted tight end last year. Trey McBride at 55 overall, going to Arizona behind Zach Ertz. Now, he had a, a good profile, so I don't want to discount that. He was a strong producer, he tested well, and the results in year one were not great. Not great and being kind. So let's see how things go. Titans can get, notably get off to a, a slow start. We'll see if Zach Ertz, you know, what his involvement is and if, if Trey McBride is going to be uh, a massive breakout candidate. But uh, Arizona, you know, just trending the wrong way. And these are all things that happened, you know, as we were going after the NFL draft and after Trey McBride uh, joined the team. But 0.8 yard, yards per route run in year one. Hardly ever eluded a tackle or made someone miss. Uh, he was about a third of the NFL average rate. Low A dot. At least he didn't drop a bunch of balls. It's hard to say much positive about Trey McBride. 
What I will say is he had a strong enough profile to have at least some patience here, but pedigree didn't find him. So, uh, you know, the, the overvaluing of him is def would definitely be a lesson to learn of saying, you know, a lot of times, and, and what my research was is if you do go on round two, you want to be on the early side and he was beyond that. He was in the later second round. So if you're in the top 40, top 45, or so those are really positive indicators if you don't get that round one pedigree and mcbride is a bullet point in that example column from 2022 uh, we also had strong profiles for jelani woods 96 percent athleticism score greg dolchich 96 percent production score and those are the only two other players in the top 100 for the tight end position so both of them came at relative values we're seeing woods as a breakout candidate this year and greg dolchich has strong value in the marketplace. Both of them had solid yards per route run figures above the NFL average, not spectacular, but uh, on the radar. And they both had solid ADOTs. Any uh, tight end with an ADOT over 10 is a hardy figure, and they were both easily clear of those marks. Then uh, going through the rest of the position, obviously there was opportunities in terms of situationally with guys like Kate Otten, with guys like Daniel Bellinger, but they didn't have the pedigree. Uh, a lot of people were gravitating towards Isaiah Likely. Um, now, one problem with Likely, and I'll say that um, with all the information that, that's been added is looking at his, uh, his drop rate you know, coming out of college and uh, looking at how that translated to the NFL. And so he was a highly efficient player, um, especially after the catch uh, there, and he started doing it again. Uh, here at the NFL level. Um, so, but the 10% drop rate, that's going to be something that needs to be fixed because it's a major uh, bugaboo uh, for tight ends to get lesser and lesser opportunities. So it'll be interesting to see how Isaiah likely turns out. But the other part is he's a pretty poor athlete. So it's interesting to see how Isaiah likely going into year two, still behind Mark Andrews. We'll see about Baltimore adding to the position question at quarterback, potentially if Lamar Jackson is exiting as well. But let's look over at some other tight ends. You had Jake Ferguson, also a, a very good profile, potential Dallas in light pencil starting tight end in week one. He's got to clear some hurdles here in terms of competition to get there. And then you had Chigo Conquo, uh, you know, 87% athleticism score and almost a baby, you know, in terms of strong athlete, not a big producer, but you bet a lot, you know, physical traits at tight end is like, yeah, running back two. But uh, wide receiver is the one you kind of forgive. You know, you don't have to be a freak uh, to be a strong producer. But at tight end, you need the big athletes. You need the horses. And out of last year's class, you had Jelani Woods as a discount in terms of a strong athlete. You had Chigo Conquo as a strong athlete going at a discount. And Jake Ferguson was also above average. You're seeing all three of those guys be values in terms of where they were going 12 months ago. 11 months ago and then versus today and their intrigue for what their their depth chart standing is and what their upside potential is in 2023 all right so that's going to do it looking at the skill positions of 2022 some lessons to be learned and mixing in uh providing uh what the recent uthdynasty.com content as well as patreon.com slash uth I am Chad Parsons. Oh, and also uh, wanted to give a little preview of what's on the patron show this week. So I mentioned all the perks previously, but uh, specifically this week, 
uh, Tim Torch, who is a feature element. You hear him on this show maybe about once a month. I try to mix him in, uh, have him uh, cross-pollinate between the, the weekly show and his normal role the other weeks over on UTH Patreon. But we're going to go over NFL draft chaos theory at the skill position. So we're going to go over some different angles uh, for the skill positions that could really impact the uh, rookie draft board and, and kind of how we uh, adjust ADP and our expectations for players. So it's always good to go over a lot of different scenarios in the month of April. And here we are with a few weeks to go. So we're going to be talking about NFL draft chaos theory, Tim Torch and I on the weekly patron show. Uh, please check it out on the platform. And you can always, again, connect that to your podcasting device of choice, get that RSS feed going and uh, get it just the way you get this show or how you would get the UTH premium podcast on a separate channel as well. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.